Welcome in, everyone, to the Invest Well Show. I'm your host, Michael Wall, joined with Mr. Randy Cook, and we're diving in this podcast to talk about some things that I think, I really believe, are absolutely crucial in relation to your financial life. And uh, if you've, you're a newer listener, I want to say thank you for joining the show. If you've joined us for some time, we appreciate your loyal listenership. And I know many of you, by the way, have times in the past had questions a little bit more about who we are in depth. And if you have questions there throughout the show, you can always find out more by going to leanonthewall.com. But you know, Randy, this stages of your financial life, I think for folks throughout the country, really throughout the world, but you know, this is something that is an important thing because I think a lot of times you don't think about it. It's, it's kind of almost like the frog in the pot. You know, the temperature increases, gets a little bit warmer and you just, you don't even notice it. And you know, it's like that old saying that, you know, we kind of feel, I mean, I'm 42 right now and you feel like, you know, I'm kind of not getting any older yeah. until you go out and do a, a ninja course, <laughs> you know, with your kids and you're jumping off stuff and you're doing things. And you're like, ah, my back and my, <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. you don't really realize that things are changing. And so ultimately you have to kind of do some things or prepare some things to effectively move into that transition, right? No, you know, we just went through the holidays and I spent a little time with my first grandchild, Zoe, and I'm loving that. And it is interesting mm -hmm. just week by week, the different stages of things that she learns along the way. Every week there's something different. And we as, as human beings go through different stages of our lives. It's yeah. only natural that we go through different stages of our financial lives. And I wonder how many people really think about that. Well, I don't know that they do because, you know, you just assume, I mean, you kind of get focused on what you're doing in day in and day out, mm -hmm. right? I don't know that people really go through life with goals. I don't know that that's the norm. You know, I think most people go through life with just, hey, here's what I got today. Here's what I got tomorrow. They're focused on what are they going to be doing next week or maybe, you know, things like that. But they don't really think, most people don't think that far ahead. And sometimes when they do, they worry about things. So, I wanted to talk about the idea of the stages of your financial life, because I think if you really categorize what these stages are, understand what it looks like, and then know how to invest accordingly, it'll actually help you in the process of improving your investments overall, which I think, you know, and, and really ultimately is the goal here is we talk about helping you protect, grow and reduce taxes on your wealth. And what are some ways to do that? So let's jump in. You know, the stages of your financial life, Randy, really start out in the working and we'll call it the accumulation stage. Mm -hmm. And that working and accumulation stage can be, you know, you get your first job and you're, you're flipping burgers at McDonald's or you're valeting for a hotel or you're, you know, caddying at a golf club or whatever you end up doing your first job. My first job was actually working for Meadows Grand Prix. I was a, I was a go-kart attendant. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the official title. But really what happened is, is when you spun out, I was the one that ran out there and pushed you out, <laughs> hoping that someone else wasn't trying to hit me <laughs> along the way. You know, you're kind of a target when you're out there. You know what I mean? Got it. But that's your first stage. You're, you're, you're literally in a place where you're building wealth, you're building and accumulating uh, etc. And during that process, you're building what you're doing and you're, you know, you might be growing a business, you might be doing what you're doing and you're understanding things along the way. You're understanding that, you know, not all of the investments and all of the income that you earn is yours. And I thought you, you had a funny little clip there from friends that you had pulled out, Randy. So why don't you play that for us? This is Rachel getting her very first paycheck. I wiped tables for it, I steamed milk for it, and it was totally not worth it. <laughs> Who's FICA? 
Why's he getting all my money? <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it really is true. You know, it's it's funny how a lot of times when kids come from college or whatever, they they look at things and they feel like, hey, you know, we should do this and we should do that and we should do this. And then they start getting the first and second and third and fourth paychecks or they start growing their wealth and they say, well, wait a minute. You know, where's all this money going to, you know, so you start to understand maybe a little bit more about what's happening in the world. Maybe you start putting some money aside investment wise. And I think most of the time going through that stage, even moving into the retirement stage, which is the next stage of life. A lot of people don't fully have the understanding in the lens that they don't really understand well the investment space. You know, they hear a lot of things. They might watch a lot of things on TV. They might watch commentary on CNBC or Fox or Bloomberg or read articles or whatever it may be, but they don't really understand the investment space in general. But that is definitely the first part. And that's the accumulation stage where you are investing. A lot of times people are using 401ks or deferred comp or profit sharing, or maybe you're just reinvesting back into your own company that you want to sell. That's where you're growing your your wealth, right? And then what happens is the pendulum swings. You don't really notice it. You know, you're getting a little bit older. Your beard is coming out a little grayer, or maybe your hair is coming out a little grayer, or maybe your dress doesn't fit like it used to, or <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. And you're noticing that Life is changing a little bit and you're moving into that next stage and phase. And Randy, the retirement phase and the retirement stage can not necessarily be just the phase when you're, you know, 60 or 65, as America kind of tries to say. I mean, it could be something where, you know, we have a pro athlete division. It could be something where, let's say, as a ball player, you end up retiring. And you're, you, you could be late 20s, early, mid 30s, mm-hmm. and you end up retiring. Or maybe you've started a company. You know, there's some younger folks that we work with that have started companies and sold businesses. And now that they've sold their company, they're still younger, right? But they have this big lump sum of money that they want to keep, that they want to protect, they want to take income from, et cetera. Or maybe you're like, you know, most folks in America where you're mid, late 50s or 60s and you're retiring and you're rolling your 401k. We have folks like that that we assist, you know, with Wall Private Wealth Firm as well. And so it could be a variety of those things. But the material point here is the mindset has to shift, right? Just like when you're, you're golfing, we talk about golf a lot. And if you go from the tee box to, you know, the 150 out shot mm-hmm. to the green, Hopefully your club changes. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have a driver on the putting green. No, that's no. That's, that's what you don't want to have. That's that's not not a good idea. Then you'd be like tin cup where he ended up breaking all of his clubs and you know, he ended up using one all the way around. Mm-hmm. So you got to change your mentality and your focus and it's interesting there was a, a little clip that you had that talked about the idea of getting some help in the retirement stage and why that's so much different. And, and why it's really the stage of de-accumulation. Yeah, this is Christine Benz from Morningstar. And I do think that because retirement decumulation is inherently more complicated than accumulating assets for retirement, it's definitely helpful, especially at this life stage, to seek out the help of a tax-savvy financial advisor. Well, there's a word that didn't enter in earlier is taxes, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's a big one. You know, tax-savvy advisor. I tell you, Randy, that's something that a lot of people don't think about. I mean, obviously, we heard that from the uh, initial clip, you know, with Rachel. But, you know, it's not something that we think about a lot of times in relation to our investments. We just think about growing our money. Mm -hmm. But if you do think about this 
from the perspective of, let's say you have an IRA or a 401k or something like that. You might say, okay, I got a million dollars in my IRA now or 2 million or 3 million or whatever the number is. Well, you really don't have a million or 2 million or 3 million. You have, you know, if you have a million, you might have 700,000. The 300,000, and that's the government's money, right? And maybe you have another piece of the pie or you have other monies that are not, we'll call it tax qualified money. So really there's two types of money in the world, by the way, Randy, I'll take a little side trail for everyone out there. And that is you have non-qualified assets or investments and qualified investments. And qualified investments are investments that are qualified to be taxed in its simplest form. So like an IRA or a 401k, et cetera, When that money comes out, when you take money out and you take it out to spend, that money is taxable. You're going to pay taxes on it, whether you actually pay the taxes yourself or taxes are withheld when you take a withdrawal, those monies are taxable. So that's qualified money. And as that investment grows, it grows tax deferred, but the amount in there has never yet been taxed. So all the money as it comes out is taxable. And then we have non-qualified money, and that is money that is not qualified to be taxed. That's just going to be money that you've saved over the years that is invested. It might be in a joint owned account. They might be in trust accounts or different things like that. And those monies, the only thing that's taxed on those monies is the gains. So if you have a million dollars and you earn, as an example, 5% for the year, that $50,000 of gain would be taxed whenever it's earned. So those are the two kinds of monies. But that's it's really important, Randy, when people are moving into retirement that they think about what does this look like? And that's why a tax-savvy advisor is really important. You know, one of the things that we had the opportunity to do, Michael, was sit down and talk to somebody who's been in this situation who had great wealth. And not long ago, we went to Las Vegas and talked to Jonathan Kane, who's the guy who's the keyboard player and has written all the big hits for Journey. Don't Stop Believing and Who's Crying Now and Faithfully Open Arms, all those big ones. And it's very interesting. Found out through our conversations with him, he's a person who's very in tune with his investments. And we asked him about that. And this is what he had to say. I can't sleep if my money's all in the stock market. So that's a balanced thing, you know, because I'll, I'll get my 4% and I'll sleep, you know, because <laughs> I got killed in the stock market um, back when it, uh, when it crashed. I had a bad broker. He argued with me. I wanted to Soon as Bush got elected, I wanted out because I was I was up, you know. I said, "Let's take the money off the table," and and he and he argued with me. And you know, you're a keyboard player. What do you know? Uh, well, I study a lot, and and I know, I know a little bit about economics. When you're up, you, you you take some off. So I've made money. I've lost money. You know, for me, it's important to just know where it is and who's who's managing it. So Michael, you've taken us from Rachel who got her very first paycheck to the people who are accumulating their wealth to the people who have accumulated wealth and know they need a little help and not as somebody who went to get a little help and he didn't find that he was meshing with that person and that person truly wasn't even listening to him. Well, and you find that a lot. I hate to say it, but you find that a lot and that's where a lot of reservation comes in the financial industry and rightfully so. You know, it really is. I mean, if you have a bad experience one time or even two times or even three times, it can make you a little sheepish or or gun shy, for lack of a better word. So Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. And that's where his thinking is coming into saying, well, just, you know, if I can get my 4%, I'm good with that and call it a day. And, And the reason he's saying that, I really believe, and I thought it was interesting that he shared that in the interview, 
is primarily probably because, you know, first off, he's already accumulated wealth, mm-hmm. right? So his his goal, and in, in that second phase, in the retirement phase, again, regardless of the age, this is when you've accumulated some wealth, you want to protect it, you want to grow it reasonably, and you want to have tax savings on it. Well, he's already accumulated some wealth, and folks that we're helping in that capacity have already accumulated some wealth. And so now the focus changes to preservation instead of just growth. That's number one. Number two, he may not be fully happy with 4%. He might be, you know, he's not probably like going home saying, I am, man, I got 4% this year. It's amazing, right? And there's lots of folks out there maybe listening to this are like, geez, 4% a year is not that great. Well, you're right. It's not, but he's in a place where he's gotten burnt and he's mm-hmm. gotten burnt. And so he's, he's saying, you know what? Hey, I don't want to get burnt. I don't want to lose my shirt. I already got a bunch of money. My main focus now is preservation. And if I can make 4% and just be consistent, then that's great. And I'll call it a day. And he's kind of just saying, you know, I'll just be okay with that. And that really goes, Randy, to the idea that a lot of people don't know what they want fully, really, because they don't know what's available. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. And so that's been his experience. You know, one of the things that he said in his conversation there was he kind of argued with his broker a little bit. You know, I find that to be the case, Randy, sometimes that that happens. And the reason it happens with people when they come in to our firm, as an example, which I have multiple companies and we have a fiduciary, complete fiduciary company and some other things where we are really sitting down and with a completely independent lens, having no bias and no allegiance to any financial company. And we're really operating as the CFO, Chief Financial Officer, for our clients, which gives us the ability to be have an independent lens with them. And I hear a lot of times that, hey, I had a broker, or I had this, or I had that, and they didn't listen. And they, were, I, I can't tell you how often I hear, or our, someone from our team, when they're sitting down with a client, new client, new prospective client, hears the fact that they were not listened to. Mm-hmm. I hear it all the time. And I think the reason is because a lot of people don't want to take the time to listen, number one. Number two, unfortunately, a lot of brokers in the space, you know, they get paid when they buy and sell stuff. So if they take it off the market and they just go to cash or they just do something else, it's like, you know, they're not getting paid and they're there to make money. I mean, believe it or not, that's what they're there for. They're not in business just to, you know, be in business and sing kumbaya with you. They're there to make money. So, That's what they're there to do. And so I hear that all the time. And I think that is so important for someone, and as you're listening to this, to understand that not all financial firms are created equal. They're just not. You may say, well, I got a firm, you know, that does this. I got a firm that does that. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other opportunities out there. And that's what happens, Randy, is people just don't know what to look for. I think that if somebody's listening to a financial podcast like this, they're searching for something. They're searching and they're wondering is the, the person that's handling my money right now, are they exploring every option? Are they checking off every box? Are they turning over every rock? And if somebody is having that experience of a financial advisor looking at them and saying, hey, you're a keyboard player, what do you know? And you throw your hands in the air and say, I, okay, I guess you know best. That's not a really good relationship. And there probably are some boxes that they haven't checked off. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, they're in a place where they're kind of, I call it the one-legged stool, Randy. And this is important as you're listening to this to think about your own personal financial situation. What does it look like, right? You might be working with someone that's a one-legged stool type person. Not that they're a bad person, but they have limited opportunity And they kind of only operate in a single lane, right? And that can happen sometimes if you're maybe investing with someone or a company that they work as an employee of this big, large, massive national company, 
right? They're, I mean, kind of they're, they're a proprietary type situation, possibly. They may have some other opportunities, but for the most part, they work for that company. And, you know, a lot of people don't know what else is out there. So, yeah, that is a question. And I think when you look at your investments in retirement, you got to factor in a couple things. And that is, number one, you have to look at it from the perspective of what am I doing to protect my wealth? Not just grow it, but what am I doing to protect it? Number two, is there independent advice and independent thought? In other words, are these people tied to a national, big national company where they have to kind of do what the man tells them to do, if you will? Or can they kind of move and shift and navigate independently based on what's best for me? And that's important because when you talk about that, then you're going to bring things to the table like true off-market investments, whether it's direct real estate or private equity or you know other things like that, not just on the market. They might have access and connection with insurance companies that might use insurance products or annuity products or whatever it may be. So in other words, they're looking at it from a more well-rounded approach instead of just from one lane. And I think the other thing, the other lens that you got to look at is what is the focus on taxes? You know, is there a focus on taxes? Not just, hey, you can give your required minimum distributions or RMDs at 70 and a half that you're required to take to a charity and not pay taxes on that. But what else can be done to, as we like to call it, strategically, morally and ethically disinherit the IRS? So you got to be thinking about that along the way. And my challenge to everyone that's out there is if you have a question about, you know, whether or not your person is truly independent, whether or not the firm that you're working with is truly independent, I've done a video that it lives on our website and it's basically talking about avoiding financial salesmen. And it just kind of helps you understand the different categories of financial people, what they do. There's another Forbes article that we wrote talking about why high net worth families need a different style of, of wealth management. That's something that can also be available if you reach out to our firm, happy to provide that for you. But that's really the goal is to give information and insight to help you with that. By the way, if you want information on those two things, I want to invite you to visit us at leanonthewall.com. Just go to www.lean, just as it sounds, L-E-A-N-O-N-T-H-E, W-A-L-L, leanonthewall.com. And you'll be able to, number one, click on that video and you should be able to see that link to the Forbes article as well. And if for some reason uh, you missed that, feel free to reach out to us. There's a way you can reach out to us there in the firm and we can get that information to you and talk further, maybe about your situation as well. If you've got questions, how should I get a second? Should I get a second opinion? What does that look like? And are we the right fit? moving forward. So that would be my suggestions, Randy, in the process, because you really want to make sure you're maximizing what you're doing. And you really want to make sure that you're understanding that it's more than just buying and selling securities in the market when it comes to putting a well-rounded retirement portfolio together. You know, I would say, you know, the name of our podcast here today is stages of your financial life, stages of your life. You know, you may have reached a, a different stage of your intellectual financial life. You talk to people and you're running in circles and some guy's saying that my tax guy is doing this and, and this person is doing this in my investments and your eyeballs go up a little bit and you go, well, my, my guy's not doing that. And, and you wonder and you want to search around a little bit. And I encourage people to do that. Increase your financial IQ and expose yourself to new ideas and at least check those things out. I think it's important for the betterment of your financial life as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. So I hope that was valuable for you, this show. And we wanted to just, again, share some thought and idea to help you along that journey and path of thinking independently and really putting yourself in a place where you think of your financial investments and what you're doing in stages, because that's really how they should be defined. Just like 
you think of doctors, right? If you have someone checking your blood pressure and cholesterol, that's your general practitioner. But if you're in a place where you now need, you know, major surgery on your foot, well, then you're going to go to a, a podiatrist. If you need brain surgery, you're going to go to a brain surgeon. You're going to, there's going to be specialties in those areas. Attorneys specialize, you know, estate planning and then, you know, other types of attorneys as well. So you also want to be thinking of that in relation to your investments and really categorize them so you understand there are different stages and there are different folks that work in different stages. As I mentioned uh, earlier, our firms have been around for basically since 2002, helping families primarily in the retirement stage. We have a variety of different firms helping with a variety of different things, and you can learn more by going to leanonthewall.com. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Please share this. We invite you to share this with someone who you believe can gain value from the show. Also, there might be someone that you know that's retiring or has already retired, or maybe they've sold a company and they have some questions about how they can save money in taxes or other things along that line. Feel free to share the show with them. And as always, we appreciate you listening, tuning in. And the goal here is to help you live on purpose so you can live with purpose. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next show. Any client experiences discussed during this show are unique to that client. They are not meant to imply or suggest you will experience the same results. By contacting us, we'll review aspects for your retirement portfolio to include suggestions about how to best utilize stocks, bonds, life insurance, annuities, and other financial products, or if changing management styles is appropriate for your specific needs and objectives. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of U.S. Private Wealth, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if Michael Wall is licensed in your state, please contact his office. Wall Private Wealth Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Michael Wall, NPN license number 733 0010.